Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are about to witness probably the most important U.S. Open uh, of our time. We are witnessing sort of the return to normalcy with the post-COVID U.S. Open. Attendance is up. Ticket sales are up no mass, no COVID vaccine mandate. This is the first U.S. Open in three years where it feels a little bit like normal. But at the same time, it's the U.S. Open where we are forced to say goodbye to Serena Williams and say goodbye to greatness. But before we let her go, we all have to take a second and tell her, and tell her how much we appreciate what she's done for tennis, what she's done for women, what she's, what she's modeled as a way that women should be free and fearless and, and willing to compete unapologetically. And what she's meant to my generation of showing people how to really deal with pressure. I mean, as a tennis player, as a coach, I've had a lot of experience with defending points, defending titles, um, helping players work through that and their thoughts. And let me just tell you, I don't know that anybody could do it as well as she has. Every match that she's played over the past 20 years has been a career win for whoever she's played and a global headline story in the event that she was to lose these matches. And to step up day in and day out, match in and match out, and face that pressure with bravery, courage, and grace is something that we should all take note of and we should all try to emulate. So I wanna say thank you to Serena Williams because without you, there is no me. You and Venus and Richard paved the way for African-Americans, not only players, but also coaches. And to this day, there's only three coach, three African-American coaches to coach a Grand Slam champion, Walter Johnson, Richard, and myself. And so without you, there'd only be two. And so I really appreciate the doors that you've opened for players uh, and the doors that you opened for me. Now, let's talk about what's happening on the men's side. We've got another slam with no Novak Djokovic. Sticking to his guns and refusing to get vaccinated. New York City sticking to his guns and not letting him in the country, not letting him compete in the event. It's going to give Nadal another edge. But on this surface, which is, you know, this and grass, arguably his two least favorite surfaces, You've got a lot of contenders. You've got Medvedev. You've got Alcaraz. You've got Sinner. You've got Berrettini. This is probably, knows Vera. This is probably the most wide open we've seen a men's draw in the past 10 years with only one of the big three present. Zverev gone, who was the heir apparent, and a bunch of young guys that are playing well all at the same time. On this week's episode, we talk to Alizé Lim. And Alizé is the host of a show, Academy Life, 
where she has the opportunity to travel around the globe, meet with the best coaches and the best academies, and really try to help us all understand how these players we are currently watching get made, get bred, uh, and what makes them tick and what the greatest minds see as the evolution of tennis and the things that are important to juniors today. So let's take a listen. Let's see what insight Alizé has. She also shed a little bit of light on what, what she felt when it was time for her to leave the game. And what we found is that it's hard. So if someone like Alizé, who's not a 23-time Grand Slam champion, has a hard time leaving the game, imagine what Serena's feeling right now. Take a listen to Alizé and all the, the lessons and the, the tips that she's learning on this, this season's episode of Academy Life. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with uh, a former tennis player, now turned tennis producer, commentator, TV personality, uh, a great player in her time, Alizé Lim. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, Kamal. Um, I love how you hesitated before saying former because that's what I do in my head as well whenever someone asks me if I'm still playing. <laughs> I know, right? Well, because you're so young, right? And it's like, eh, she can still hit. We see she can still stroke it, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Happened, like, right? I can be there right now, but also, you know, mentally it's good to feel still connected to tennis, so it's not too brutal. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, so you talk about retirement, and this week, or this tournament, right? Serena is scheduled to retire. We'll see if she has second thoughts and has a good tournament and says, oh, I'm gonna give it one more year. We'll see, right? There's rumors. So she, when you- She didn't make it so clear. I, know. I don't know what you thought about it, but yeah, it seems like it's gonna be her last tournament, but it, she left the door a little bit open in a way, in my opinion. <laughs> she left it a little open, right? I think all greats like have a hard time stepping away and then they always want to like, you know, leave that off chance. They have a great tournament and rethink it. So we'll see. So when you stepped away, how did you know it was time or how did you decide it was time? I never really decided and I still haven't. <laughs> it's just, it's just at some point I was injured a lot. I dropped in the rankings and I always thought that it would be so, like it would tear myself apart the day I would stop playing tennis because I would have to force myself to stop. For some reason, I had this this idea. And it was di- very different. It was that I had the will to do other things. So it, would, it was a good thing. It was like, I still want to play tennis, but I want to do other things. And I don't want to sacrifice all my time for tennis now because I'm also attracted to other things. And I don't want to I realized, okay, I'm 30 years old. And I always thought that the years that you're playing are not, that they don't count. You know, it's like not reality. And all of a sudden I, I turned 30, I was like, wait a minute. It actually counted like this, like my life is you know, at another stage now. So if I want to do all the other things that I've always wanted to do, it's also now. Um, so I decided to basically keep a little bit of space for tennis in my life and do other things at the same time and try to be as organized as possible so I can, still feed myself from a little bit of competition, a little bit of practicing, but still do the other things. But um, yeah, so I still play, I, I don't play the tour anymore that I don't want to do. I, I would play one tournament here and there just for fun, but I don't see myself, I just knew that I didn't see myself traveling 
all full time anymore. And also, you know how long it takes to get back up in the rankings and and you know when you don't have wild cards to to build up again. And I didn't want to go through that. And I was just happy with what I was doing. I had some other opportunities, so I just I just felt like it was a good balance. And this is what I'm still trying to do. I'm coming back from practice now, but you oh. know I don't even know when my tort next tournament is going to be. And to be honest, my level is almost better than ever because I have no pressure and I'm always fresh to play because I haven't played for a few weeks. So I try to play like two, three times a week. So I'm always fresh when I'm on the court. So that's interesting. So you're still practicing and now you run the Academy Life Show. So yes. I, I kind of feel like you're trying to like, you know, uh, figure out the best Academy and you're going to get some free coaching, you know, <laughs> while you're filming the show tapping into the best minds, you know what I mean? Getting a little tip here and there. So tell me about the Academy Life Show. This is your second season. Yes. And tell me how like surreal it is, because I know when I go to academies, I always think back to, man, if I was a kid and I had this, I would have done this. Tell me about the show and your thoughts as you're producing it. You know what? That's a good point, too. I don't want to look bad in the episode. So this is also why I'm training, you know, <laughs> because I have to hit with pros and they haven't seen me for a year. and I don't want to look bad. You know, I still want to, you know, <laughs> be decent out there. Um, yeah, honestly, when they offered me to, to do this show, it was a dream because like you said before, I, I, as a kid, I was I was dreaming to go to an academy, but it was super expensive. My parents couldn't afford it. You don't know how it works. You have to live home. And if it's not, you don't come from a family where it's obvious to do that. It's 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 something it was it was something crazy in my family. So I, I couldn't do it. And I was I was always dreaming, especially of the American academies. There was something mythical about Florida and training there. So I was super excited about it. And it's it is super exciting to to discover all these methods and all these mentors, talk to them see all the kids, see how it is and training there now and be able to try everything, you know, with the fitness coaches. And now they have so many other things that we're going to probably going to talk about later that each academy is, is, um, is uh, emphasizing whether it's mental work or like some special recovery treatment or stuff like that. So yeah, it's fun. We, we go to, we, we go to, we, we get to do five episodes uh, for the second season now. So it's the, we have done eight episodes total. So I've visited eight academies, tried everything, met all the, the greats, I mean, coaches or former champions, Chris Everett uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I'm, I feel so lucky to be honest. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the Chris Everett Academy. Cause I, I've seen some of the episodes um, with uh, Magnus. Was yes. the coach uh, who coached uh, Warinka? Norman, uh, yes. Yep, and um, you know it was it was very interesting. I always see like I always feel like the foreign academies, other than like Rafa's place and Maratiglu's place, they look very bare bones, but the level is much higher than we see in the states. And I feel like if you think about like IMG and Everett uh, and even my place is like very nice, right? $20 million facilities. And like the level is sort of like, you know, yeah, in between. And then you go to like Magnus Norman's plays and Piatti and, you know, Spartak, right? It's all these great players that come out of there and there's not even any heat in the building. Tell me about 
growing <laughs> up and what you've seen in like European facilities versus the American academies now? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's different depends on which period you go there to because if you go in the summer, they have summer camps, so you don't necessarily have only good players. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many in my head right now. I don't know which one to pick. Like, but you can tell. I mean, it, it's just so different. You know, the I don't, I wouldn't say there's something European and there's something American. I would say they all have their specificity. It's. Mm. Uh, for example, Chris Everett, it feels like a family vibe. You know, Chris is talking to all the players. They have meetings with the parents. They really care about this. They really emphasize the mental part of it. The kids are really like all connected together. You can tell they all know each other well. They're all friends. Um, and then, you know, IMG Academy is such a big, big machine. It's so <laughs> it's impressive because the facility is a, is a joke Like for me. That's the American part of it. That I, when I see this, for sure, I know I, I'm in America. Um, also, the fact that they have so many courts, you don't have, it's only two courts per player. They don't have to share the courts. So it's, it's really, really great. And the weather too, you know, I was doing, filming those two episodes in July in Florida. So the, the weather is brutal to play in. And then you see, you see them going training in the morning and you see a lot of pros getting in the heat and training for three hours and the kids are practicing next to them. So you can tell how much it inspires them. You know, I think that's the great thing about academies. You know, the fact that you have everything at one place and that's for all of them, you know, being able to go to school, doing fitness, um, physio, tennis, everything you know so you don't waste energy you sleep it's just sleep work sleep work eat sleep work, you know kind of thing and the fact that they get to play next to great champions i mean for sure it's like it's so motivating for them now when you grow up did you grow up at a boarding academy or did you commute stay at home with your parents and go and come back i know i for the first time went to the academy when i was a pro i went to Muratoglu when they were in paris so it has nothing to do with the Muratuglu now. It was so much smaller. It was more like a family vibe, just a little group. And they were renting courts um, in, a, in a club. So it's it's very different. I, I went, so my dream was to go to an academy and it was super expensive to send me in the US. So my dad once gave me as a gift, he sent me to Sanchez Casal in Barcelona for a week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember it so well. It was, it's different, you know. The thing is, when you go for a week, it's more like a summer camp. So right. you have fun with all the kids. So it's really great on that part, but you don't get to experience the lifestyle of living there and just working so hard that you're so tired and you're just like in a, in a routine like that. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. So you brought up Sanchez Casal. Have you been able to observe like the Spanish methodology versus the American? Like if you if you had to compare, let's say Everett, right, Chris and John, to like a Sanchez Casal or BTT, what do you what do you think is the very the differences between the two? Well, I don't want to say now because I haven't been for a while. But what I would say now that you're saying is that I remember lots of drills. 
lots of the Spanish drills, you know, like they're going to feed you with the baskets and you're going to hit and run and hit and run until you get super tired and your cardio is uh, and you're dying on the court. And, and you know, one more ball, they're going to do like, you know, this uh, cross court drill, you know, you play one short, one long, one short, one long forehand and you run, run, run. And I remember just a lot of repetitions like that. I would say in the US, it seems like they're more about comp competing. So every afternoon, whether it's IMG and they really emphasize it at IMG, they want to, they want to teach the, the players to compete. So they play a lot of points, a lot of matches, practice matches, and it's the same at Everett. Every single afternoon, they're playing points. So I think it's a different approach. Whereas in, in I, I, from what I remember in Barcelona, they want to make you a machine. You know, it's just the drills are super hard. But I don't mm. remember playing that many matches, practice matches there. Uh, got it. So in this this episode, you also uh, had a chance to visit Piatti. Yes. Talk about that experience, because he's sort of known as like a wizard, right? Like a tennis wizard. Talk about that time there. Well, Piatti, I think the difference is that it's not really an academy. It's a tennis center. So the kids are not staying there. They, 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 they don't sleep there. They don't have school there. They just go there to train. There's only four courts, two outdoors, two indoors. So it's so much smaller. So everyone knows each other and Ricardo gets to coach a little bit of everyone, which is impossible for an academy like Moratuglu or IMG, for example. You know, you can't have your hands on everything that's happening on, on all the courts, which Ricardo can because the specificity there is that he's coaching the coaches. Mm. He's teaching his own method to every coach. So every coach is going to teach the Ricardo Piatti method which is a very specific method. They're really into technique. They're gonna film you and show you. Um, you got video analysis in a special video room and there are a lot about it. And that was the first time that I analyzed my own backhand and forehand this much <laughs> into such details. And it was super interesting. And you know, he, he pointed out something that has been bothering me my whole life with my backhand. I was like, damn it, why didn't I reach you early? He actually right, right. said, I could, I should have met you earlier in my head. I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't struggle this much with this shot. Um, so yeah, the fact that it's small like that, it's, uh, it's so good. You get to know everyone, you know, it's very different. And Ricardo is such a passionate about tennis, like really passionate man. Um, it's, it's so good to talk about tennis with him because I, I love passionate people, you know, it's, um, it's contagious. You know what I mean? Mm. And yeah. and his, his uh, approach about technique is very unique. So it, it was super interesting to talk about that. Yeah. So, and also, so me... Sorry, the, only, the other thing that I loved about Piatti is the mental economy. They have this room to work on your concentration and they use this big screen that's been developed by um, um, a, neuroci a neurologist, like doctor. Neurologist, <laughs> yeah. Formula One drivers to work on their concentration and you so now they use it for tennis and that was the first time that I did it there and it, it, it really I mean I, I can see how it can help so I love so it you have a helmet on your head and it's like measuring the activity of your brain it's crazy so describe it to us take me take me into that room how long is it, is it 30 minutes is it one hour because concentration has to be with tennis match you know you could be up a set in the break and it just boom snap out of it and lose it so tell me about the experience with the with this new tool well it uh, you don't have to do it for too long basically it takes you to the money time when you actually want to let go 
because it's so intense that, for example, you know that you have all these colors that are written, let's say pink, and it's written in brown, and then pink is going to be written in pink, and then orange and orange and orange and yellow, purple and in pink, and you know you have you have a it's like a video game, and you just press true or false, true or false, and you have to go as fast as possible, so you can tell your brain is connect when your brain is connected, it goes faster. Like okay, this is true, this is false, this is true, this is false, and you have to see if the it's the color that it's saying is actually the color that is uh, uh, painted. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And after a while, after a little bit, you're like your brain wants to go away just like your brain wants to go away sometimes at five two if you're up or whatever for whatever reason you start thinking about something else but you can't because you the the stopwatch is on and you're basically losing points and if you're competitive you want to have the best scores as, as you can so you have to stay focused and you have that you you can feel that that mental gym where your brain goes away and you're catching it back like no stay there you know if you want to have a good score, <laughs> which ah. you do. <laughs> That's one of many exercises that they made me try. Ah, got it. Now, is that a requirement of all the kids or did just the top players come in and do that? No, I think all the kids are doing it, uh, but they just got it there. So I don't know how much they're using it yet, but that's, you know, it's a very small academy and the whole room is dedicated to it. So I think it's very important for Ricardo in his opinion. I now you see those small academies and right away I think like oh it must be really expensive so is, does he have like a like a scholarship method does he is it everybody pays is it very boutique and all the kids there are trying to become pros or like how does it how does it stuff like when I hear small I'm like oh my god it must be either 100 grand a year how's this financial uh, model work? you know uh, I was not all the kids want to become pro now when I when I go to the academies. I think that's not what it's about. I think they they all have in that way, they're all similar. They will say, we're trying to teach them to be the best player they can. We're trying to teach them to compete, to be focused on the court. We're trying to we're trying to develop them as players, but also as persons because they feel that they have this responsibility when parents give them their kids. Um when it being a pro, I mean, I don't think they all want to be pro, to be honest, uh, there. But um, talking about if the fact that it's expensive, I, I don't know about the prices there, to be honest, but it, it must be different because you have to basically move there and live outside the academy. So I guess it's cheaper, but you don't have boarding included. Right. Got it. And then you talked the mental about the mental approach at Everett. So how is yeah. the mental approach at Everett? Tell me about what they're doing there that's unique. Uh, you know, just having Chrissy talking to you. <laughs> I've, it was the first time that I met her. I swear, I got out of this room. I wanted to sign up for a tournament right now, right there. <laughs> I wanted to just go and play. I felt so pumped and confident. She really, she really conveys that confidence, you know, and she, yeah, so there were, there were two things that they, they, we did uh, is that it was raining. So Chrissy is more like a mentor coach like a mentor uh, John her brother basically said that there's three different types of coaches there's a developmental coach which he is there's more of a mentor like Chrissy and there's the tour coach who travels on the tour so Chrissy is the second one so um, yeah she she did a, a speech about pressure it was so interesting 
all the girls, she seems to know them super well. They can, they had nationals coming up. They could share about their feelings about it. How did it feel? How do you feel when you're nervous? And she actually gives you real tricks, you know, what she would do herself when she would feel like that. And you, she really shows empathy because she says she can relate to what you're saying because she feels the same, but she gives you the keys, you know, to know something very specific that you can think Okay, your legs are, what happens when you're super nervous? Okay, you're, you're tight, your legs are tight and they don't move anymore. So a girl is gonna say that, she's like, overdo it, over move. And at some point it will be more natural. And she's gonna give you like very, you know, things that you can hang on to that you can use during matches. And you know, she has this aura. I mean, I fell in love with her, <laughs> so inspired. Um, they also hired a psychologist. And I thought he was great. It, it's the same, we did the, he spoke for like 45 minutes, but it was in, interactive with the players. So it's not just a lesson that he's going to give about, oh, you have to think like this or like that. It's more like he wants players to be involved. So they think about themselves, about how they're dealing with pressure and the challenges on the court. And, and yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved everything he said, to be honest, I could, I could relate to it. And I love the fact that you can be 15 years old and having all these tools and keys already that are given to you where I have been trying to um, I've been building this my whole life by myself in my own head because you with the experience and they give it to players you know at 15 years old so I think there's they're very very lucky to have that if they can use it in the right way mm. yeah Chrissy is very inspirational like if you sit down with her she's always um recalling a story with three or four names in it that are like legendary and i remember this time with me and pam and this you know that kind of thing and it makes you like your eyes and ears perk up right to really absorb exactly. what she's saying so i could see how like a little be. child my eyes were stuck <laughs> yeah. watching her like this <laughs> and she and she's very it's very surprising how often she is on the court like how she's actually there you know most days right and you begin to see her she she told me I I it, the fact that she can give back now is is really she loves it. She the girls text her, oh I won my match, I did three drop shots, she would have been proud of me, blah blah. It's so great. She has this relationship with the players. You can tell she's super involved. She's also into all the um the meetings with the parents as well. She's doing it herself. So yeah, yeah, she seems super involved in the academy and and yeah, coming back to to the mental Voltaire. part. Sorry. Voluntary. Did you oh, get chance to see Nick? Voluntary. They have also a gym room. No, they called. They said we're gonna do mind mind gym. And on my schedule, is at mind gym. Oh, what is a mind gym? So it, there are some exercises that are a little bit similar. Like it's the similar effect that as the one that um, I told you about for the Formula One drivers. Yeah at Piatti Academy. It's a lot of different exercises. Uh, you have to follow a light with, you know, and tap it as fast as possible for 30 oh, seconds, yeah. you know, those kind of things. So yeah. you can see if the player, you can tell if a kid is, gets frustrated or if he wants to go back and do better, you can tell the mentality and work on it in this room, basically. Um, it, yeah, it was super interesting. And then the the players, they have, they have a few, five or six psychologists that the, um, Kids uh, can FaceTime also when they're away. You know, there's a there's a platform that they use for that. Um, but IMG, I mean, you know what's super impressive is the history there, because it's Bolicheri. I mean, when I grew up, Bolicheri, I mean, it was such a myth. I wanted to. I felt like 
when I was little, be, going to Bolicheri, you're going to become a champion. Or if Nick notices you, you're going to be, <laughs> he's going to make you a great champion. He's going to sponsor you. And um, yeah, so you can still feel that vibe over there. And at the same time, they managed to develop in such a modern way and such a, oh my God, like it's so big and they have everything you need. They have this Gatorade Sports Institute, um, Science Institute. I did this test with the mask and they, they basically measure your um, how much calories you spend so they can tell you how you need to hydrate or eat during a match so you don't never feel in the red zone. Um, yeah, ice baths, everything, so many courts. And a lot of playing points between players, they, they like to have a ranking between all the players in the academy so that they're all competing against mm. each other. It's like a giant tournament that's happening all year long. Oh, you're right. Like a challenge ladder. Like, exactly. I think we try it in the States. We call it and, a challenge ladder. Yeah. And then you see, and then you get to get to still the fact that there's also other sports. It's super inspiring because just uh, facing tennis is basketball. So you get to see other players, like other sports players. So it's really cool because the vibe for sure is pushing you. There's no way you get lazy in a place like IMG Academy. You want to get up and do sports whichever sports it is, you know, I think it's, I, I would want to send my kid there, you know, it's a school for sport, they study and they do sports and they have so many sports and it's so big and, and, and the, the history is, is great. You have a Bolicheri statue when you get there and all these pictures on the wall that same, I had my little child eyes looking at Monica Seles, uh, uh, old pictures of, of Nick with Anna Kornikova or Andre Agassi or, you know, Serena. I went to his office and he wasn't there. So I sat on his chair and I felt like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm like in a special place. And that you can still feel it there. So they managed to keep the right balance between developing and keeping the history intact, which is which is a really great thing. Yeah, I think it is inspiring when you're at a place and you see other athletes, like football players, lacrosse, basketball, and you you sort of feel like you're in like a, a breeding ground. Exactly. So I wonder, in a place that big, did you feel like it was a factory? Like, did you feel like, oh, a, a person could get lost, right? And where I'm going with the question is, I'm wondering of those three episodes that are coming out, what player is right for which academy? Um, so this is the this is one of the first thing they said that they really are trying to fight against that, that they don't want to be a factory. So they're trying to keep it personalized. I believe, and I don't know that because I haven't been there for a whole year. If you do have your own coach, you just use the facilities and the energy of the place, and then you do your own thing on the court, which which is exactly what the pro players do. And what is great for them is they come and they can they can book a court for four hours in the row. No one's gonna come, you know. And they just stay there and do their own thing. They're super focused. They have so many players that they can hit with. Juniors, I mean, you have a choice, you know. <laughs> it's a whole menu there waiting for you. And and yeah, you just gotta be focused. So I, I really think if you if you are with the right person and you have the right coach. It doesn't need to be a factory. Uh -huh. um, and talking about cool players, Emma Radican, who was there when I was there. Uh, Kei Nishikura apparently comes, was there, but he was injured. We didn't see him around. And Jerry Chung, the, the junior player, who's so great. Yeah, number one in the world, was there. He's such a nice kid, by the way. He's, he grew up there, I think. So, yeah, he's been there for a few years. Uh -huh. uh, Marcelo Rios was coaching him. 
it was a uh, it was super interesting you know two lefties together and Marcelo Rios is such a character I got to to meet him it's so interesting to talk about about everything with him um who else did we see yeah um Sabine Liziki was there she lives there she, she's trained there her whole life she actually did that that thing coming when she was little because she wanted to get noticed by Nick like like we ah. said before. Madison Brangle, so that was IMG, and at Chris Everett, we saw Arena Sabalenka was there, um, and I hit with Ayla Tomjanovic, who basically lives there also. She moved when she was a kid, yeah. and she had such a strong relationship with Chrissy as well. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if you were, you know, looking at your kid, right? Which place would you send? Like what 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 types of players should go? Should the eight or nine-year-old go to Piatti? Should they then graduate to Everett? And then when they're like ITF rank, they go to Bolter. Like, you know, like what what do you think uh is the it's mix? just my it's just my opinion. So right. it's gonna be very subjective, but yeah, I think if he's a kid and I have to let him grow by himself, maybe something like Piatti because it's smaller so he get, can feel like attached to some people and feel reassured. Um, but also, I mean, depends if he wants to be pro or if he wants to be a college player. I don't know, you know? Let, let's say <laughs> he wants to be a pro. Yeah, then I think of IMG Academy and I'm like, what a great experience as a kid to be there. I mean, it depends on your personality too, you know, the, the kids there, they take the train from one place to another in the campus, you know, to go to school and then they take the train back, they go to this other big building for, for food. So it's, it's more like a university already. Um, but I think if Chrissy, um, if my kid had a chance to be mentored by Chrissy, I would go there just because of her. Because I mean, the way she talks to players I mean, it's so, I mean, so special that I think it, it beats maybe any facility, you know, being able to have a relationship with Chrissy and helping you around. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about the dorm life. I think if it's that- a girl. If it's a girl. If it's a girl. If it's a girl. Oh yeah, we haven't mentioned that. If it's a boy, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I wonder, because a lot of parents who look at these academies, yeah. the one thing that makes them uneasy is the living situation. Sending your kid away, the supervision in the dorm, the eating, who feeds them, that kind of thing. So tell me about the dorm life at like IMG uh, and Everett. Uh, so I didn't see the dorms at IMG. I mean, I just wandered in the campus so I could guess what it was like, but I didn't get inside the dorms. Um, but at Everett, you can tell if your kid is, I would say, from 12 to 17, I wouldn't be worried about it. <laughs> they seem okay. to have the time of their lives. Um, really, I mean, having so much fun together, there's this bunch of teenagers uh, sticking together and supporting each other. They go to tournaments together in the bus. I mean, yeah, they share rooms and it seems like they have so much fun because it's not as big so they can you know, know each other better, more like a family. Mm -hmm. 
So. And then my last question. I got 27 courts in Chicago. Yeah. Why haven't you done an episode on my academy? I'm insulted. Uh, maybe I'm just, okay, I get it. You know, you got to start with Everett, then Voluntary, and then you got to start working your way down. No, you know, maybe we we're finishing with the best. <laughs> <laughs> and we have two more episodes to film. I mean, I am just saying, of those people, I am the one that most recently coached a Grand Slam champion. I'm just saying. Sloan Stevens? Just saying, you know. <laughs> I was in that seat more recent than Nick. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> So what's your philosophy? <laughs> we can do the interview now. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, it's a secret. You got to come. I need the full experience. I need the cameras. I need, I got to give you the full experience. I can't give you any preview. Okay. You know, now they like charge you for a consultation. So there's no free consultation now that you got to come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. We're coming. We're adding your list. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I heard Chicago is a great city and I've never been. So I oh. Well, Perfect. if you like food, so I've, of course I've been to I do. Like food. food, steak, pizza, the bean. Have you been to the bean? You haven't been to the bean. So mm -hmm. you got to schedule three days. So you can do sightseeing one day. And then it takes two days to get to all of the famous Chicago restaurants, not just one, because you'll be fat and you'll be throwing. Yeah. Just, it's too yeah, much. Working out and training at the same time. Ah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Now, I, I love repetition. Right. And I yell and scream and I swear. I'm famous for swearing. So <laughs> just don't don't come here and be sensitive. Oh, I was so sad that uh, Nick Bollettieri couldn't come. Apparently he really wanted to come. He was he was not feeling so well. So he wasn't resting in Vermont, but I would have loved to see him on the court. I don't know if he screams like you, but I would have loved <laughs> <to see> that. <laughs> I've heard that he does. <laughs> oh, yeah, he can. So funny Nick Bollettieri uh, story when I was first thinking about building my academy and I was trying to get the city to support me. He flew in town for a day. I think he landed at like 7 30, o'clock. We went to like five different schools, worked with like hundreds of kids, then did a clinic, then had some business meetings, then had a dinner and he didn't like take a nap, no slow down. I mean, he just was like, from the moment he landed, he's like, all right, let's go. So the energy that that man has and the passion he has at this age is amazing. And I actually, you know, I still owe him uh, for what he did for me starting out. Because, you know, building an academy, people are like, yeah, it's still a new thing, right? You think you got Voltaire, you got Everett. There aren't a lot of academies in America. Mm -hmm. So it's still a new concept, especially in Chicago. It's a new concept. So people are like, yeah, I don't know about this. So I had mm -hmm. to bring Voltaire to say yes this can work. So I still remember that day. So Nick, if you're listening, uh, thank you again. That's so cool. You got that from him. All right. Well, Alize, thank you for coming on the show. I will you're, wait. Sorry, you're making me very curious about this academy in Chicago now. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying we, we've had some champions come through here. We had Monica Puig come through. We had Sloan come through. So, you know, we, and we just held the 80K. So like Stephen Kozlov and all those guys, they were here for a week. They had a good time. So, you know, you get your little preview from them. And then okay. I'll give you the real. Okay. And I, well, I remember, I remember being on the court with you in Sydney. So I got a few tips already in my mind. I saw a few things you can work on. I... Yeah, it hasn't changed much to be honest. <laughs>
All right, well, thank you. This has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to watch this season of Academy Life.